Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me, my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Uh, Ashley McLennan. <laughs> Ashley, how's it going? <laughs> it's been a week. I don't know what to say anymore. Week, and you've totally forgotten how to pronounce my name. We're doing good. <laughs> you got Ashley right, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Tongue's a little thick. So, yeah, we took a, we took a little hiatus there. Um, it was a work trip, and... Some laziness on my part, and just was over it. So, <laughs> but now we're back. Yeah, we're back. Um, hopefully, to bring you an end to the Tigers' epic losing streak. But um, as we as we're talking, the game is still in progress in the tenth inning, I believe, and uh, and we'll have to see. And if we can't beat the Marlins, we got problems, don't we? I was saying to somebody, I'm like, this is maybe the only team the Tigers have a chance of sweeping this year. So um, I hope not to be proven wrong by that. Yep. I mean, they're they're that bad. Um, and actually, like, the schedule, you know, kind of shapes up a little better for the next, I don't know, week or so, really. But um, it's just hard to know if anything's going to help this team right now. Oh, they're in the 11th now. Okay, yeah, here we go. Ugh. They've played 10 innings, and there have only been 13 hits in this game. That's, that's the Ugh. level of offense we're, we're looking at here. But, yeah, it's been pretty bleak. Um, you know, even even Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull in their last outings couldn't, couldn't bail us out um, if the Tigers aren't winning behind, behind those guys, as we've discussed quite a bit over the past month. And uh, you, you're kind of out of options. Like, maybe you can win when Daniel Norris starts. And other than that, it's just like, ah, I don't even know who's pitching. So, yeah, good luck. <laughs> we're starting out real cheerful on this one i promise people if they asked questions we wouldn't be grim and dark <laughs> oh i don't know some of the questions i think that i saw you know they're, they're going to require a little bit of grim and darkness um but there's also i don't know i mean there, there's also some good some good signs out there but um yeah i mean it kind of feels like this next like what is it nine the next well there's tonight and then there's eight games after that where we play the marlins and then we go on the road against the mets and then the orioles and those are two teams that we should be able to handle, um, as, as well as the Tigers can handle anyone. Um, the Mets are really struggling right now. Um, the Orioles are vying with the Marlins to be the worst team in baseball. Although we're catching up. Yes, we are. We were always predicted to be one of the top three worst, so yep. bottom three, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, we probably are bottom three. I mean, they've lost six in a row, basically. Um you know, they were losing on Sunday, but of course that game was mercifully suspended <laughs> to be finished in September. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how long this, this losing streak actually is by the time they, they managed to put it to bed here. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Some Zubaz-level badness we've got going on right now. It's not great. Yeah, and doesn't it... I mean, it, it just feels like the Tigers do this kind of thing every year, almost no matter who you know is on the team. Like, what the heck is going on? They come out in April and they play above their heads and then slowly but surely, you know, the pitchers start fading, the offense goes in the tank in May, and then we just get clobbered. Um, it just seems like every every year. I think of like twenty seventeen when they went on that West Coast string and lost like nine or ten games in a row on the West Coast like maybe that was early June, but it's this time of year. It just seems like every oh, every year. Yeah. And it's miserable. Miserable. Yeah, it's not good times. Yeah, and, you know, you look through that lineup. I mean, you referred to it as the, the Mendoza <laughs> lineup today, and that's basically what it what it looks like. you got, like, Nick and Miggy and a couple other guys. Five of nine pitchers 
five of nine batters, I should say, were under 200. One was 204, leaving you with three guys over the 240 mark, I think, is where we're at right now. Yeah. And nobody over three. <laughs> no one. Yeah. I mean, and and the guys who are doing well, I mean, Miggy and Nick's averages, I think, are fine. But, you know, the other one is like Ronnie Rodriguez, which you don't really know, like, is that just a, a hot streak when he came up? Um, did he actually change anything? Yeah, but the time this game is over, Nico could be back under 200, meaning, you know. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I mean, I can go through, like, the underlying, you know, numbers there and kind of, I mean, it certainly looks like Nico Goodrum is actually, like, doing a lot of things right. Like, he's not striking out that much. Um, not, you know, notably more than average. He's walking a bunch. He's hitting the ball hard. Um, he's pulling the ball. Uh, but, you know, no, I've seen a lot of hard hit balls from Nico Goodrum go right in people's gloves, but... Just in general, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty bleak. <laughs> Jacoby Jones, another one. Like I, you know, I was looking at his numbers earlier because everybody was kind of like, you know, when is you know one of our questions, you know, that people asked us today is, you know, is Jacoby Jones going to get sent down next? And he actually like has peripherals that you know sh- should mean that he's actually you know having um you know the best season of his of his career. Like not anything great, but he's hitting the ball harder. He's hitting more line drives. He's hitting more fly balls. He's doing all those those things that you like to see and usually lead to success. But um you know with Tiger teams past like those things would hold up and you'd be like yep he'll come around and he would. But with these guys like, you just don't know if they can even sustain kind of the underlying numbers long enough for it to to start to balance out. <laughs> to bounce back yeah do you think it's just bad luck or do you think it's just because i mean it feels somebody asked me today if the lineup was a result of the rebuild or what and i said well it's kind of a combo of the rebuild and just really bad injury one after another after another and it's kind of like a beast of, of a thousand heads of <laughs> bad luck right like yeah yeah on the pitching side especially yeah yeah, I mean, I guess the lineup is pretty much what you would expect it to be. I mean, Jordy Mercer's been out, but I don't know how much that really even even affects things. But but yeah, we've just lost so many starting pitchers. Um, you know, even a good team can't really overcome losing that many. Uh, and I don't know, the, the little bit of optimism we had coming into the season was kind of based on, well, you know, maybe Matt Moore won't be that bad. Um, Spencer Turnbull, you know, might be fairly usable. Hopefully Tyson Ross is usable. And then we've got Norris and... You know, and if not Turnbull, then we've got Funkhauser, we've got Burroughs. Um, Norris has been okay, but you know, still just you know doesn't doesn't just basically a shadow of the guy we we watched up and up until you know 2017. So I don't really know if anything's going to get much better there. Um, I'm glad he's pitching okay and just getting the reps in because hopefully um, some things will start to come back for him. Um, his command has looked like it's improving, and the breaking balls have looked good, but the velocity still isn't there. But yeah, then you go to like you know drawing lots for who gets to start the fourth and fifth game each time through the lineup. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like there's a whole lot of options either, does there? No, the... I mean, I, I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me when the Tigers are bringing up Casey Mize, uh, I'd be a rich, rich lady. Yeah. But uh, the answer is not this season. Yep. Yep. That is not going to happen. Or if it is, it's going to be like one or two starts or something in September if they can manage his innings, but... And then the other thing everyone keeps bringing up is James Shields, and I don't really want or care about James no. Shields. <laughs> like, Fetch me Bartolo. Yeah, honestly, I don't even care about Bartolo. Like, the hell with Bartolo. I, I How about that? Watching a Bart- I would, too. 
than watching James Shields. And at this point, amusement is all I can hope for. Yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I'd definitely take Bartolo. And then, you know, I don't know, I guess Nick Ramirez, uh, who's who is in relief tonight. Um, so apparently he's not starting, you know, is kind of like your only other option. Like Greg Soto has been up a couple times. He, you know, he's like just still way too wild to really use for more than a couple innings. So, yeah. I don't really see any any options to go and 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 sign, and you don't want to go trade for someone. And I I guess we're just kind of stuck here, where the Tigers are going to wait and see what happens with Tyson Ross and Jordan Zimmerman, and hope they can get one of them back. And if one or both of those guys ends up being lost for the season, then I guess you know it's DefCon Five, and maybe they do have to go try to try to pick up a, a veteran guy to just eat some innings or whatever. But. I can understand the reticence to even bother right now because the options are so bleak out there as well. Yeah, there's really not much, and it's not like they're going to run out and pick out Dallas Keuchel or that he'll even sign a one-year deal. Yeah. So. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel and Scott Boris just waiting for the, the draft to end, so all the, the draft pick compensation is off the table, and hopefully he can get what he's what he's worth or some reasonable facsimile under this these strange market conditions we found ourselves. So, Yeah. I don't know. There's not. Uh, there's not. Not a whole lot to say. You know, people in my family have asked me, like, "Is it really? I mean, is it this bad? Like, is it gonna get worse?" And I'm like, eh, "Yeah, it might get worse." <laughs> if you're thinking about going down to see the Tigers, make sure Matt Boyd or Spencer Turnbull is pitching, um, or Daniel Norris at, at at worst. Don't don't go to those other two games. Just avoid those. <laughs> yeah, it's um my uncle who doesn't follow baseball at all is just like, "How are the Tigers doing?" And I'm like, "Well, why would you bring that?" upon me <laughs> yep i know and uh you know i saw an art i saw a quote from rick anderson and i think this was from actually last year when they were kind of going through this where they were asking him about the opener you know or trying to come up with some kind of a, a bullpenning type plan and how he was like you know just not into it just didn't want didn't want to do it and um you know it's just kind of another nail in the coffin like you know there's no good solution right here but if you're not willing to you know, really experiment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're doing it anyway because they don't have a choice. I mean, you know, they're using Gregory Soto for, you know, two or three innings. So it's not an opener situation, but they're, you know, they're basically bullpenning these games anyway, but they're doing it without a whole lot of like forethought or planning. Whereas the Rays seem to like really, really put a lot of thought into all the matchups, you know, the workload and all that kind of stuff and come up with a plan that could actually work. Um, and, you know, it's not even that the Tigers aren't capable of it. They're not even, you know, not even willing to really think about it in those terms, which is, you know, just another nail in the coffin for this entire franchise and its backwards ways, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Joe Jimenez just gave up a run, so the Marlins now lead 5-4 in the 11th. And so, oh, yeah, that'll, that'll be good. Yep, so the Tigers may be losing their 7th or 8th, depending on how the suspended game turns out in a row. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, just burn everything, I guess. Just go full Daenerys Targaryen at King's Landing, and you know, call it good. Because this is uh, this is not a fun watch right now. Oh, this is uh, this is brutal. Yeah, Chris Illich should be strapped into you know his dad's seat at Comerica Park and forced to watch all these games. Forced to watch everything. Yep, gonna pry his you know pry his little eyelids wide open so he can't turn away, and you know it'll distract him from constantly trying to extract you know tax concessions from Detroit for things that he won't actually ever accomplish or do. So yeah, I've read about now. It's all it's all feeling bad. <laughs> feel pretty pretty really. Yeah, it doesn't feel fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, because we were able to at least take a break, I am able to laugh about it now and not be mad. 
Whereas, <laughs> whereas late last week, I was really just getting like, uh, and even yesterday, like I, I was kind of going off on, in some of the comments because I'm just fed up. I'm fed up with everything. I'm fed up with the uh, the pitching injuries and the, you know how bad this team has been at you know at bringing bringing their you know their prospects along in certain cases, other than the you know the guys who they don't really have to do anything with. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was getting I was getting a little thermonuclear. So I'll take a step back. I've got my perspective. Yeah, I've got my perspective back. I mean, I don't miss Justin Verlander just because you know he's throwing a no hitter tonight, and Franklin Perez apparently can't pitch anymore. And I begged the Marlins uh, blog for Curtis Granderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people who would love that. You know, Jennifer Cozy's out there still, you know, campaigning for Austin Jackson on a daily basis. But you know, I don't Is even Austin Jackson even playing anywhere this season. I, he's somewhere in the minor leagues, I believe, but I don't even know where. Ajax. Yeah, yeah. We had a nice moment with Curtis earlier, where he, you know, he was talking about uh, Maglio's home run and all that, which was pretty cool. Um, it's always nice to have Curtis back in town. Um, one, one of probably everyone's favorite Tigers of all time. So, yeah, but yeah, it doesn't. I liked the way the Fish Stripes, uh, Eli Sussman, who is the manager of the Fish Stripes blog, who I did the Q and A with earlier today. Oh yeah. Um, he really summed it up well, where he's just he really is just like a great ambassador for baseball and just a really good all around clubhouse guy. Mm-hmm. And like that's what you get with Curtis Granderson, and I definitely miss him. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> And that playing career has got to be pretty close to the end. And I'm sure there must be some kind of, you know, kind of front office type job or a job with MLB or broadcast. Something like that is coming. So um, hopefully we'll all be able to enjoy um, Curtis Grandison for years to come in some other capacity. Because, yeah, just just a great dude. Always fun to hear from him. But, um, oh, and there we go. Okay. Uh, this, This is poetic justice in a certain sense jose abreu homers on a fly ball to center field against justin verlander and that's how the no hitter is broken up (laughs) justin verlander allows more home runs than he does uh doubles or triples you know it's like three hits per game one of them's a solo shot he strikes out nine it's you know this is it's just a weird pattern that no one else can emulate all right so much for that so no 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 nope no third no no and he didn't no hit us last week which i was Kind of half expecting. Yeah, it just kind of seemed like the right time. Um, but it was cool. You know, it's always cool to have Justin back, and it, like, doesn't hurt quite so much now. But, like, watching him, like, in the outfield, like, playing catch with kids in the stands and stuff, and then, you know, just just kind of hearing from him and how, like, weird it is for him to come back now and not, like, not the way it was last year, but now it just feels like, you know, a little bit stale, too. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, that's my old team, and but, you know, it's been a long time. I don't recognize anybody anymore. And they're yeah, terrible. It's no longer really his team. Yeah, yeah. So Justin Verlander may always be a Tiger, but the current Tigers roster um, will be quickly forgotten, <laughs> for the most part, as as time goes on. You're saying there's not a future Brandon Brandon Inge in our midst right now? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure Fox Sports Detroit is is angling to bring bring Inge into the studio and get him on the airwaves as well. <laughs> He was, I think, for a game. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he did. He did do one game, and it was actually kind of a relief, I know, for some people who really don't like Gibby or uh, or Jack Morris. Um, oh, man. For me, it, it didn't help at all, because Shep is, Shep is the person who I, I'm just not, not digging at all. Like, I can deal with Jack Morris, but, yeah, I don't know. Jack Morris is like a sedative. Yeah, he kind of is. I mean, Shep is sort of an incentive too, but then gets real excited at the wrong times or thinks something is about to happen and it, and it isn't. And it's just like, ah. <laughs> For me, the good mix, if you want to have Jack Morris in the booth, is when you have 
the switch up and you bring Dan Dickerson in and it's TV broadcast and it's Morris and Dickerson. And like, I don't know what Dan Dickerson's magic is, but he can <laughs> really make Jack Morris shine. Yeah. Like he just nails that. So, yeah. And if, you know, I, I don't, I'm pretty confident. I mean, like that Dan Dickerson wanted the, you know, the TV gig. Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I assume that he was he was very interested in doing that. And you just have, I mean, that's, that was really kind of a mistake there. I mean, he, he's one of the best broadcasters in, in all of baseball, kind of in any capacity. And Absolutely. Yeah, why not put him on TV? Like, he's, you know, if you're looking for, like, distinguished, you know, good-looking guy with a great voice who, you know, is a super pro- professional in, in every way, like, bam, there's your guy. Like, why, I don't know why they wouldn't just go with him. Yeah, it don't you're you're preaching to the choir here because I think it should have gone to Dickerson in a heartbeat. But yep, I mean, how many people do we hear from who are you know watching the game while listening to Dan Dickerson now? I mean, people have always done that, but I mean, it just feels like everyone is really trying to kind of do that as much as possible now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's there's a word to you all, Tigers, if you want some advice from me that isn't just to go bleep yourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get on that. Hire, hire yourself some Dan Dickerson and, you know, bam, just turn him loose and you won't have to worry about anything anymore. You'll be all set. You can put anybody with Jack or with uh, Dan Dickerson and get a decent broadcast. He makes them better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So we don't really have a whole, I mean, we don't have a t- whole ton planned because there's been, it's been so bleak and I don't want to just sit here and bag on the front office or talk about how shitty every one of our hitters is. <laughs> Um, we did have a really, really good comprehensive piece from Adam Dubbin um, a couple days ago on Miguel Cabrera's struggles, kind of based off of um, a couple tweets that Dan Simborski, who developed the Zips projection system um, and writes for Fangriffs, um, kind of kind of posted on Twitter. Um, and that was really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you read through that and you're just like, oh boy, yeah, it's, it's not looking good when you're, you're owed hundred and whatever, $50 million over the next five years, and you can't hit the fastball anymore right down the middle. So, yeah. Doom and gloom. Yeah, it's doom and gloom everywhere. And, um, you know, if there, if we look at some bright spots, like Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull have both impressed this year, but but even those two, you know, have kind of come back down to more, you know, to earth a little Human bit. Levels. Yeah. Yeah, we knew they'd have a couple, you know, they'd mix in some rough outings here and there, but... Um, and they have, like, both of the last two. Spencer Turnbull wasn't very good today um, against the Marlins. Went five innings, three runs. Um, you know, the Tigers always post that kind of thing. Like, oh, another solid start for, you know, I was like, nope, it sucked. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, it's, it's hard don't, to... Uh, don't try to hype yourself up too much there, Tiggs. Yeah, it's pretty hard to kind of sh- shrug those things off and kind of put up with the the team speak on some of those things. Yeah. Um, but all right, so yeah, because I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to um, tell everybody or to make them feel better. <laughs> you just, let's just let's dive into you guys' questions, and we'll just kind of see. Um, we'll take that as basically our format tonight. Twenty minutes already into the show, and um, and just kind of see you know what we got here. And Ashley and I will end up you know rambling on and on. And I don't know, maybe at some point we'll just start talking about Trevor Bauer or Game of Thrones, and you'll probably all be better off for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First question from Dan Ross seventy. Um, this is on our website um, on the the post that we that Ashley put up earlier asking for questions. Um, Casey Mize, after going nine innings and his no hitter, um, he's only been going five or six innings per start. Are the Tigers limiting his limiting his innings? Um, is he not stretched out, or why why aren't they challenging him to go seven? Um, all right. I mean, 
I don't really think any of that particularly matters. Like, there isn't any particular reason to challenge him to go seven, because I think the real issue with Casey Mize at the double-A level is just that there really aren't teams that can hit him. Like, if he has kind of a bad day, yeah, like, you know, in a, in his start, you know, a week in, or about a week ago, he gave up a couple runs um, late in his outing, like, you know, kind of lost his command and got hit a little bit. Not hit hard, but hit a couple times. Um, you know, but... There, there isn't a whole, there just isn't a whole lot there to, to challenge him in general. Like Casey Mize is basically unhittable by double A pitching or double A hitting unless it's like, you know, an elite prospect or Casey Mize is having a tough day. Um, so it basically is entirely about him and, and what he's doing. And it almost doesn't really matter who the opposition is. Um, so, I mean, after going nine innings in that, in for the no hitter, it made perfect sense for them to kind of dial back in the innings. Um, it's not the way you you get more innings out of a guy isn't by over you know over pushing him in a season um he's already you know he he's been you know what you hope is that he's going to be healthy all year he's going to pitch all the way through the minor league season in august and at that point you know you're probably looking at 160 170 innings um and there's just no reason to have him throw that much so i wouldn't worry too much about casey mize's innings or whether he can go 6 or 7 um at the double A level, he's not even really being challenged, so don't read. I I would just say don't re- even bother reading into any of that. It it just doesn't matter that much. I think the other thing too is he was struggling a little bit with his fastball command, and I think you want to look more at the quality of pitches rather than the quantity. Yeah. And so if you can give him you know six innings where you're really hyper focused on him getting those pitches right in the zone, and like he's pitching a good crisp clean pitches, then yeah, pull him. And keep his keep his like enthusiasm and his focus where it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to lean on him and try to, you know, push him beyond sort of his physical limits and and not worry too much about whether or not he gets tired or not, well, then you might as well just pitch him the major leagues because the minor leagues aren't the place to to do that and to overstress guys. Um, and the examples of Kyle Funkhauser, Bo Burrows, and all these other guys that we have who are you know down with shoulder injuries should tell you all that. You know, it's not there's no reason to to lean on him to win some meaningless, you know, Erie Seawolves game in May, for God's sakes. So, yeah, I think limiting his pitch count is fine. Um, you know, it's good for him to see a batting order, hopefully three times per start, so that he gets kind of gets that feel of like, okay, guys, have seen everything I've got now, and I've got to kind of mix it up. But Make those adjustments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, like, I mean, really the only thing that was going on with him is that his fastball command was a little squirrely. And so he was leaning on the cutter. Um, in this last start, he kind of put the cutter away because he couldn't locate it, had the fastball going. Um, and either way, like the splitter and the slider are nasty. I mean, Casey Mize looks fucking great. Um, so if anybody wants some, some positivity out here, it's going to be Casey Mize and Matt Manning are looking fucking awesome. So we do have that going for us. Um, as long as they can stay healthy, we do have, in my opinion, two of the top five pitching prospects in all baseball. And um, MLB Pipeline put um, Casey Mize up, I think, third or fourth overall in their top 100. So he's now, according to them anyway, who I'm not a big fan of, but still, we'll take it. Um, Casey Mize is the best pitching prospect in baseball. So, Absolutely. yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't worry too much about any of those kind of things. Like, as far as development goes, it's mostly just, like, him, like, getting used to, like, pitching every fifth day, traveling, you know, facing all these different lineups constantly rather than pitching in, like, the SEC where you say, see the same teams kind of over and over again a lot. Um, you know, for over a course of years, you know, since he was a sophomore or whatever and junior, he pitched against all those same teams. So it's a different thing to not have all those weak hitters in a lineup and to have to kind of face them all when you don't really know what to expect. 
and that's really the only real value to think to kind of having him in Erie. Um, but I don't really know if there's any big reason to move him to Toledo either, because the way the minor leagues are shaping up nowadays, like if you're a good hitter at the double A level and everyone regards you as a high end prospect, you don't usually stay at the triple A level that long anyway. So, you know, the guys you see at the triple A level, a lot of times are like Pete Cosma. You see like a lot of guys who weren't particularly good major leaguers, but you know, are, are experienced veteran guys. You see those guys, you see the org depth guys, um, the super talented guys for the most part are at double A and then leap to the major leagues as soon as they're ready. So yeah, I don't know. I think he's Casey Mize is pretty good where he's at. Um, and I don't know. I guess we can jump. Do we know who had the other question? Because someone wanted to know, <laughs> was it like when Casey Mize was going to be brought up or oh, what we should a do? One. Are you on Twitter or are you on the... This was on the site. Um, let's see. Do a little hunting here. We've got questions coming at us from multiple different social media angles. So we will take a look here. Oh, and the Tigers lost. Oh, well. Of course they did. Yeah. I mean... Have anything nice. I know. I mean, at this point, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they should just tank it out. <laughs> Go for that number one pick, boys. I don't know. Let's see. I'm looking... I don't even know if they would have to try that hard to tank. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they don't get any more starting pitching, you know, like, yeah. There's just no chance. Um, good old Tim D. On, oh, yeah. On Twitter asked us, should Myers be promoted to Detroit? Is he wasting his time? Oh, that's oh, yeah. service front office do the service manipulation dance. I don't think so. Um, I honestly feel like you'd be wasting a year of Casey Mize to bring him up right now. And we've, for a million reasons we've discussed, but there's no point in bringing him up in this BS season. Yeah, I mean, you know, his final part of that question, do the fans deserve better than that? Yeah, the fans definitely deserve better than that. But, but so does Casey Mize. Right, and we also need to think, you know, we need to think long-term and not short-term, as frustrating as it is. I mean, this season is just lost as it is. Um, as far as the service time manipulation dance, I bet they will do the service time manipulation dance next year. But, um, yeah, that's kind of about it. Like, as far as Casey Mize, like, does he need to be promoted to Detroit? Like, he probably is still benefited by being in the minor leagues for at least a couple more months. But I do, I would have to agree that at a certain point, there's not really anything that he's going to learn there that, he, you know, where he, he probably does need to be in the minor leagues to start, or in the major leagues to start getting better. But there just isn't that much reason to do that. There just isn't much point to bringing him up and, you know, and pitching him, you know, full time starting in August or something like that, just to, to start warming him up. Um you know, we, we've gone through these things before. Like, I remember arguments that we had when Nick Castellanos, you know, was, was basically given the starting job in, tw what was it, 2013? I can't even remember now. Yeah, I think 2013 or 2014 where, no, 2014, where they were just like, you know, it's your job, go get it. And everybody was like, hey, why didn't you just like, you know, hold him in the minor leagues for a month and then we'll get that extra year out of him. Well, you know, I mean, that's a shady thing to do in general because Nick was probably relatively close to ready, but he wasn't ready from the sense that his he didn't have a position. Um, and they screwed things all up by by rushing him there where we could have a whole other year out of him. Um, we could be watching him develop into a good right fielder this year and knowing that, hey, we've still got another year of control, whether it's, it's to trade him or to try to sign an extension. Um, so, I, you know... The Tigers have kind of have botched things before by pushing guys too hard because we were in win now mode. Um, I don't really want to see them go crazy and be too careful now either in in the opposite way um, because there is kind of a 
there is kind of a feel of like the Tigers like stalling now. Like the front office just wants to stall all their best prospects um, as long as possible because as long as those guys aren't coming to the major leagues, they can still kind of talk like, although, you know, we're rebuilding and the rebuild is going well and look at these guys down there. And look how great our farm is. Yeah. And everyone knows that the farm isn't really that good. I mean, it's like, you know, probably better than average, but it's not great necessarily. But yeah, it just doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't behoove the front office who want to keep their jobs to like, you know, to, to start trying to compete this year or to even like be pushy about moving up their top prospects for that reason. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like from a developmental standpoint, yeah, I kind of think Casey Mice probably should be promoted to Detroit later on this season, but I don't, I don't expect that that will happen. And right now I certainly wouldn't do it just because the team sucks and the fans deserve to see a better starting pitcher than this garbage that we're running out there. Um, you know, that's just too bad. Um, you know, I feel bad for the fans as much as anybody. I feel bad for our, us, and I feel bad for <laughs> anyone who's a who's a big Tigers fan who's watching this and super frustrated. But you know, all, all I can tell you is get minor league TV or something like that, and you know, maybe you'll feel better watching Casey Mize and Matt Manning pitch. I know that's one of the few things that's uh, helping me get through the early going. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's our advice. <laughs> that's depressing. Yeah, we're supposed to get away from depressing. I know, but we can't because they're still getting worse. They're not getting better. Nick is gone. They're going to trade Matt Boyd and screw it up. I'm so scared. I'm so afraid of what's going to happen with Matt Boyd right now. Yeah, they're going to move him. Shane Green will be gone. Yep. I mean, you kind of got to trade Shane Green. Like, that That part I understand. Um, they are, you know, the Cassiano ship has already sailed there. He butchered that. Um, but, man, I hate the idea of trading Matt Boyd away. And then, like, oh, what? Like, maybe 2024? <laughs> We start start getting it together. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's it's not looking good. So, all right. Next question. Mike, You're making me sad, man. I, I know. I know. Do it. I know. This is that. It just isn't that much fun when the team is this bad. Um, we don't even have like a rally goose or anything cute and fun to go, to go with because no one's hitting. There's no rallying going on. Um, where were Marks? Mark had ridiculous questions. Uh, chance of all Tigers runs coming on walks and errors. <laughs> not a question. That was Peter. <laughs> um, he may not be wrong. Yep, yep. Trust, trust the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, trust the process. <laughs> uh, do you prefer the traditional hot dog or one of those fancy new versions at the ballpark? Oh, well, I kind of, I'm kind of a Coney dog guy on the oh. uh, on the one hand and i also i i prefer like a brat or an italian sausage if i'm even going to go down this road um so yeah i guess that's what i'll that's that would be my answer like i'll get a hot dog and put mustard and onion on it and be happy with that but um but i prefer yeah bratwurst or something like that yeah i think it depends i like to get like whatever the big dog is oh, God. i'm so why do i speak um <laughs> but like you know whatever the larger one is the super-sized, foot-long let's, let's mega dog. Lean into this because the bigger the wiener, the more delicious it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else can we do? <laughs> I mean, it's it's just the truth, you guys. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, if there's a giant <laughs> wiener available, you know, I mean, who who can who can pass that up when you're at the ballpark? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I so I'll usually just get like a classic dog, and same thing. I put my mustard, I put ketchup and mustard and onions on my hot dogs. Ooh. Um. Yeah, 
Um, my personal favorite choice, if I was given a choice of any kind of hot dog in the world, would be a Chicago dog. I think there's nothing greater than a Chicago-style hot dog. I do like the um, Chicago-style dog. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to Chicago this summer for a couple days, not to see any games, just to, like, be there. And I think I'm going to hit up a grocery store and just buy myself, like, 12 jars of sport peppers. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just have them. Because, uh, man, I love a Chicago dog. Um, but when I was at Dodger Stadium, they've started, or at least it was a couple years ago, they would do these, like, really fancy, like, cool hot dogs. And I'm not talking, like, a hot dog with, like, cotton candy and Skittles, <laughs> which is a real thing. An abomination, yes, that is real. Yeah. But, like, something with, like, mac and cheese on top. Or, like, oh, yeah. A mixed bag of things. And those are kind of fun sometimes, but, whew, they are a disaster. Yeah, I mean, trying to eat that at the ballpark. I mean, it's like there, there was some like biscuits and gravy dog I saw. Yeah. I mean, you know, it had like the country like chicken gravy on it and stuff. And like, I mean, it doesn't sound like it would necessarily taste bad, but um, it's just too unwieldy. Like, I'm just not that guy who eats that much at the ballpark anyway, just because I don't like to be encumbered, um, especially with people around me. I don't like people. I don't like them near my food. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have a hot dog at the ballpark. A hot dog and a beer are like an absolute essential at any baseball game for me. Yeah, I mean, well, and to be honest, I will almost always get it get some kind of a dog. It's just that it's usually the Italian sausage with yeah, with you know onions and, and hot mustard or something. I do like the Chicago dog. Um, when we first, when my family first moved to Chicago, when I was like fifteen, um, I was like, "What in the hell is this fucking salad hot dog? Like, this is nonsense." Uh, but I came around, and especially, yeah, because of the, you know, like the Giardini. Like, give me the little hot peppers. Um, yeah. if, if you want to lay, like, a big strip of onion and cucumber and a pickle or whatever and tomatoes or whatever, I'm okay with that. Um, I would recommend I recommend Portillo's. There's just something special about them. Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah, Portillo's in Chicago is my recommendation, by the way. Oh, I gotta disagree. I gotta, I gotta say Devil Dogs, but... Yeah, Devil Dog is good, too, but I, I really, I'm a big fan. Big fan of Portillo's. Um, their Italian beef sandwich is also fucking fantastic, but, okay. I, I think for me, it's the way they, like, they cut up the peppers. Yeah. And they also use that bright green hot dog relish. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is pretty good, man. All right. And they have those milkshakes, man. Devil Dogs. I love me some Devil Dogs. Mm. All right, maybe next time I'm in Chicago, I'll try Devil Dogs, because I I am kind of obsessed with Portillo's, and we'll see if maybe it it can break me out of that. I haven't been there in a long time. You'll have to try (laughs) while you're there and uh, and tell me what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Any listeners in the Chicago area, go do this this week and report back and tell us which one of us is right. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, like your standard hot dog, like, eh, I, I'm not really that, not that into it. Um, like if you smother it in Detroit style Coney sauce, I am, I am in heaven because Detroit style is the, the only true Coney that, that even counts in the world. Fuck you, New York. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's how I feel Did about you ever it. Try the Coney Island hot dog pizza. Yeah, I did have a bit of it, but uh, no, it's too weird. I'm a little bit like, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit off of all that, that kind of thing. Like if it's something from like, you know, a different, you know, country or something like that to me personally is somewhat more exotic, I can get into it. If it's just like a weird mashup, like, no, I'm not, I'm not really that big of a fan. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Mark Garage asked us, uh, who broke my baseball team and will they ever fix it? Ooh. And why do they call it jumbo shrimp? <laughs> bless, bless our listeners. Yeah, so yeah, because you know, compared to the other shrimp, it those are the jumbo ones. Well, 
Well, they are larger, I think. They have to, like, yeah. be a certain standard in order to be considered a jumbo shrimp. Because you can get the little guys that are, like, the cocktail shrimp. They're, like, peeny, like, sad little size ones. Yeah, those are just the little midget shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why. Because things are all relative, Mark, you goof. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you, get, if you got a big hot dog, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, like, you know, the size of a bus or something. It's just bigger than the regular hot dog. It's a jumbo one. Yeah. And it might not even be that hot, and there's no dog involved, because, you know, words are magic. <laughs> a door can't actually be a jar. I mean, a jar is something you put, like, jam and stuff in. So, yeah. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> I didn't invent English. And maybe... Oh, my God. I want to, like, just... <laughs> never be on a podcast with you ever again for that. <laughs> a door can't be a jar. I will never forgive you for that. Okay. I accept, I accept your verdict. <laughs> to my dying day and I'd be like, remember that time Brandon made that terrible door joke? <laughs> Alright, well now you have, because of this though, you have to answer Mark's question. Who broke his baseball team? Who was it? Who do we blame? Al. Let's just blame Al. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm yeah. trouble for always bitching about Al. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like it's a one-two punch of Chris Illich. And I don't know. Please, guys, don't like turn around and be like, Ashley said, so she knows. I have no idea. I'm making this up as I go. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming Chris Illich gave Al a very stern, this is the money we do not have mandate. And Al looked at that and said, okay, I'll get these three players, these four players in the off season, and this is all we have, and that's all we can do. Yeah. And that's what leads us to where we are right now. Yeah. Okay, but it was already broken. So I guess if we go back further, like, the person who broke it is Mike Illich. Um, the same guy who built it, because he wouldn't yeah. pay Max Scherzer what he was worth. And basically that was the end of the Tigers as a as a really competitive baseball team. Um, so there you go. Um, the same guy who made it, you know, who had a big role in, in making it good, didn't want to pay Max Scherzer, because he was all salty that Max Scherzer, you know, wanted what he was worth, and... So he booted it, and then Mike Illich also wanted us to keep going for it like a madman in 2016. We had a whole bunch of us, like, at the end of the season, we're all figuring out, like, okay, you know, the Tigers can kind of, you know, sit back in 2016 a little bit, like, fill a couple holes in the roster maybe, but not go all in, kind of bring up, you know, Michael Fulmer, Daniel Norris, you know, see how some of those guys fit in. No, they went out and they rang up, like, another hundred, you know, I don't know. How much was it? They, they must have spent $250 million in free agent contracts prior to the 2016 season, all for naught. So somewhere in there, you'll find you'll find your blame. And of course, the simple truth behind this is that Mark Garash himself can tell you who to blame at any moment of any day. <laughs> because Mark is, yeah, because Mark is all about it. <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. Mark knows. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to Michael Spath, um, whose radio show out of Ann Arbor, um, Inside the Huddle, um, airs from 10 to 1, Monday through Friday. Um, you can check that out. I've been on with him um, a couple times to talk Tigers baseball, but he wants to know, when does Jacoby Jones get the Candelario treatment? And that's a good question, because Jamer Candelario, unfortunately, um, has just got off to a brutal start after being pretty brutal for most of last year, and a guy who we kind of, you know, felt pretty solidly about like oh this is going to be a piece of the future you know maybe not like any kind of a key piece but um has just been a mess and has had to go down to toledo to kind of sort it out yeah um i mean jacoby jones is no stranger to that particular trolley (laughs) yep um but who do you put in his place 
Yeah, I mean, you could totally bring up Daz Cameron. I think the problem, though, is that, you know, Jamer Candelario is 25. Like, this is the first time he's ever been sent down. Like, basically, as soon as the Tigers, you know, traded Justin Wilson and Alex Avila for Jamer Candelario, he was our third baseman. Um, So he has all his options remaining. I'm not even sure if Jacoby Jones has an option remaining. If he does, it's just this one. Yeah, it would just be one. I don't. I think you're right. He might not have any. By the by, uh, my favorite tweet of the night just went by to bless you boys, which was feel bad for the dogs who had to sit through that. Oh, uh, it was bark at the park. <laughs> yeah, bark at the park. I know, and I already feel bad enough for the dogs that bark at the park. Like there, you know, there's fun stuff going on, you know, for the dogs, but. You know, they're all forced to watch humans play on this lush, gorgeous, you know, pelt of grass out in front of them, throwing this ball around. Yeah, the smells are driving them crazy. Humans are playing with the ball, and they're not allowed out there. Like, if I was a dog, I'd be furious. Like, you dragged me all the way down here for this? (laughs) It is a pretty BS kind of scenario for dogs, actually. I love it because... Yeah, absolutely. Dogs. Dogs are great, and they can put dogs in anything, and I'm a happier person, but... Yep. I mean, we don't deserve dogs, so maybe um, you know, don't. all the fans who don't want to pay to watch this baseball team should just not go down to the ballpark and just let the dogs watch. The dogs can enjoy anything because they're pure-hearted souls. Let the dogs play. <laughs> yep, let the dogs out. Um, I, th- I feel like the dogs might do better than the girls. <laughs> I know they could probably, you know, probably do some, play some different, decent, meh, decent defense out there, at least. See that? Um, Jacob Jones, let me see. He was called up in 2016. Um, sent down in 2017 and 2018. I don't know if he was sent down in 2016, but I think the problem with Jacoby Jones is both that he's 27, um, and he, I mean, he just turned 27, so it's not like he's, like, deep into that, that year in his career where I always start to think, like, okay, if you're, once you get to be older than 27, like, you better figure it out real quick, because now you're past even, like, J.D. Martinez's late breakout territory. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel like they want to give Jacoby Jones as much time this year as possible because when you finally decide to send Jacoby Jones down, it's not like Jamer Candelario where it's like a tune-up. Um, it'll be given up on Jacoby Jones as your starting center fielder forever. Um, so it's much more of going to be like a permanent decision where Jacoby Jones is probably just like your 25th man. Like you wouldn't even really bother sending him down, I don't think. You just, you know, you just stick him at the end of the bench and he becomes your utility outfielder pinch runner guy. Um and that's probably all he's going to be at this point. But, you know, they're trying to give him at least, you know, probably a half a season, like maybe 300 plate appearances to see, you know, if he can kind of make something happen. Um, and so far, it certainly hasn't. I mean, he's got like a 49 WRC plus. Um, his BABIP is really low, um, which may speak to him being, you know, relatively unlucky so far. There are some things to like. Um in the fact that he is actually, you know, kind of pulling the ball more, which is good for his power. Um, he's hit the ball harder this year. Um, overall, like his hard hit rate is up, um, but it's still kind of a mixed bag. And I don't think anyone particularly feels super confident that that anything is going to change from this point out. Do you? Any faith left? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jacoby. Yep. I mean, his strikeout and walk rate like a week ago looked pretty good, and now they're right back to where kind of they were last year with like 30, 30% strikeouts, 5 or 6% walks. This is not, not enough power. It's not good enough. I always have found that he's way too aggressive at the plate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's ever been able to overcome that. I feel like there's a mental game afoot that he just, I think it's just too ingrained, like swing early, swing hard. Yeah. And kind of a guess hitter. Like, 
know, just doesn't have the vision at the plate to really yeah. pick up spin and, and identify where the ball's going right out of the pitcher's hand. Um, and it just leads, I think, to him, yeah, guessing, guessing, hunting fastballs and guessing a lot. And and it's pretty easily sequenced and carved up by any uh, any decent major league pitcher. So, I don't know. I think the Tigers are going to give him a little while longer. But, um, yeah, we are certainly pretty close to the end of the road. Um, I think if Daz Cameron were, were raging right now, they, they may have already made this move. Um, but, you know, they're beholden to trying to get something out of Jacoby Jones and give it a little bit longer. Give Daz Cameron more time at Toledo. And I assume that at some point this year, Daz Cameron is going to take over. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we've seen the Tigers continually bring up guys that we know have no real hope. Like, you know, Dawal Lugo's up right now because they needed somebody, and that's fine. But he's not really going to be anybody. Um, honestly, Dowell Lugo right now is just in Isaac Parady's way. Um, and you know, the Tigers are, are kind of letting some of these mediocre four a type players block some of their prospects right now. Um, so yeah, you know, Dowell Lugo's not particularly useful. Um, fortunately, Willie Castro, the shortstop who we got for Leonis Martin is having an, is off to a nice start and that, that is pretty good. But, um, yeah, there's just a lot of guys at Toledo who, you know, don't really have, like, no shot at being in the major leagues ever. Um, and and those are the guys who are in the way of the, the better prospects who are at Erie still right now. And, you know, it's just a question of whether or not when the Tigers actually come to any final decisions. And as the career of, say, Drew Verhagen can tell us, the Tigers never come to final decisions. <laughs> like, Drew Ver- Verhagen's arm will have to fly off his body before the Tigers finally, like, give up at some point. Or somebody else will have to be like, no, okay. But, um, this whole spiel has actually led us to our next question, which is from Ron Fisher on Twitter. Uh, and he said, wondering about the upcoming non-pitcher prospects. Who should be with the big club by, say, the All-Star game? And you've mentioned a couple names in there that I think would probably be pretty good candidates for that. But Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I'd already I'd, I'd bring Isaac Paredes up and just roll with it. Um, I don't know. I think Willie Castro maybe has a shot, but with Jordy Mercer out, you know, the opportunity was there to bring Willie Castro up and they haven't done it. Um, so I don't, I don't really know if you can really predict, like, it's just hard. Cause like, I can kind of think of like how all other teams and sort of like how the, how, how, what usually happens, but the Tigers just aren't doing things the way you, they usually happen. So yeah, it's just kind of hard to say. Um, yeah, Willie Castro could probably come up. Jake Rogers is, you know, basically major league ready. Um, you know, he could come up. He's, he's still working on things, but they're the kind of things like pitch recognition, um, you know, dealing with how pitchers try to set them up. Um, and those are, are things that you're not really going to learn until you're in the major leagues. Um, he bashed another home run tonight. He's been awesome so far this year. He's murdering the baseball. We already know he's, you know, probably the best defensive catcher in the major leagues. Grayson, Grayson Griner hasn't hit, which is not unexpected. Surprising. Yeah. So I guess maybe of all of them, I would say Jake Rogers is the most likely to come up and because you know, even from a traditionalist Tigers type perspective, they are going to realize that like, that's the position where there's the most to learn and to kind of settle in. They're going to want Jake Rogers up. Some of these guys out. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Kind of get used to, you know, the, the, how things work and like how pitcher meetings go, how advanced scouting in the major leagues is. So yeah, I could see Jake Rogers coming up for, for all those reasons at some point and to get him up here and get ready so that when Casey Mize and Matt Manning arrive um, with a bang next year, he's, he's fully ready to go. And Grayson Griner can kind of slide into the backup role where we all kind of expected him to be. Yep. 
I mean, I, I normally, under different circumstances, would have been like, no, no, keep him in the minors, because I really wanted him to build those those like relationships with the guys like Mize and Manning, but then, of course, he got upgraded, so he wasn't with them <laughs> anyway. Yep. Um, and if you're going to put him in Toledo, you might as well just put him in Detroit, so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I like that theory. Um, I don't know, I mean, I guess they, they had some time together, and maybe, I don't know, like, I, I guess you can look at it both ways. Like, on the one hand, it's good to build that relationship. On the other, Jake Rogers is so good defensively that it's almost like a crutch for Manning and, and Mize, who are who don't really need any help. And maybe it's better for them to kind of have to work with a lesser catcher a little bit and kind of get used to switching things up like that, too. I don't know. I, I think there's benefits to it as well, because if you look at it, I know Mize said he leaned pretty heavily on, on Rogers in that no-hitter when he first came up. And because Rogers is exactly the kind of guy that can adjust if he sees his pitchers having problems with that fastball. Yeah. And he's only going to get better at doing that if we get him to the major league level, which means he's only going to be better at helping a guy like Casey Mize at that major league level. So I think it it kind of nullifies my point entirely. (laughs) You should just bring him up and let him learn. Yeah. It's just that, yeah, I mean, they could have kept them together, you know, for longer if they wanted to. Um, it just, I, I think it just felt like Jake Rogers was just, just hitting the living hell out of the ball um, at double A and they felt like they needed to do something. It's just weird because the way, I don't know, things have just changed a lot in the minor leagues, guys, because they're using the major league ball now at the triple A level. We're seeing home runs fly out of the park left and right. So teams are starting to reconsider whether or not they want their pitching prospects to go there. Um, until they're, you know, real close, like we're thinking about calling this guy up, so we'll move him to AAA for, you know, a month and, you know, and just let him work there so that he's close at hand if we need him, um, which is just different than it used to be where that used to be the finishing school. Like, okay, now you're, you know, you're in the International League, you're playing AAA, you know, you've got Major League veterans around you and, and there's all this stuff to learn. It just, um, it doesn't feel like it's working that way right now anymore. So... And maybe that's why Casey Mize and Matt Manning um, aren't at AAA, because Matt Manning is 100% ready. Um, Casey Mize is 100% ready, too, honestly. Um, he's not, I don't know if I'd even say he's behind Manning. He's actually, Casey Mize is the more polished of the two. But, god damn, you watch Matt Manning pitch against these kids at AA, and, like, they're just flailing. Like, they're all just flailing. It's so big. I don't know. I almost I felt bad. I was watch I was at work today and I'm watching Casey or watching Matt Manning, you know, no hit the Hartford Yard Goats for like five and two thirds innings, and these guys are just taking terrible swings. They're like nowhere near anything. Manning's just blowing fastballs right past people, locating the fastball, throwing a great changeup now, which has been the real major development so far this year. Um, those two guys are, are looking real good, and I can you know if the fans want to start screaming for Casey Mize and Matt Manning to come up. Um, and just because, you know, there's nothing to watch, you know, that's, that's certainly their right. Um, I think we have just all kind of like already kind of acquiesced to the idea that this season's going to be lost like last season was. And, you know, you just hope that the Tigers end up with a good draft pick in June and you hope that they end up with good draft position next year. Cause I, I don't really, and that a couple trades maybe work out cause there just isn't a whole lot else to, to be that hopeful about, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know it'll get better. It will. I have to impress that upon everyone. Yes, we're doom and gloom right now, but we are very aware that teams have ebbs and flows in their success cycle. So we know it's going to improve. It's just really hard to watch right now. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's always harder when you don't, you know, you don't kind of take a step back sooner. You know, like the Tigers pushed in for those extra three years. Um, we're watching the Giants, who have kind of done the same thing. Now, of course, the Giants have three World Series, so 
<laughs> it's a little bit different situation, but um, you know, the Giants kind of kept spending money, kept trading, you know, some of their depth prospects and, you know, things things look really bad for them now and, you know, they're going to be well behind the the eight ball, but but at least they kind of hired, you know, someone in Farhan Zaidi who has, you know, tons of experience with some of the best organizations in baseball coming from, you know, the Rays to the Dodgers with Andrew Friedman. Now he's got his own team. Um, would have been nice if the Tigers hired that guy, but yeah, you know, uh-huh. we, we, I mean, we all kind of knew that they did this to themselves. The question is why aren't they, why aren't we closer to the turnaround? Um, and I, and I guess that's the, that's the thing that really is, really is bothering me. And before the season, I told myself like I would give it all the season and then reassess the front office and how the rebuild is going this off season. So I'll try to stick to that. But, um, when I do kind of let myself slip, I just fly off the handle and start, you know yelling at people so <laughs> and being angry because yeah it's it's super frustrating to watch and i don't have a whole lot of faith in the the tigers front office obviously so yeah, yeah. it's not fun no it's a tough uh, it's a tough watch uh, it's for sure um but yeah you know between jake rogers Dez cameron isaac paredes you know manning mize like i still feel i still feel good about those five guys and there are some some sleepers out there but you know i think um, to go back to the the actual question, talking about position prospects who maybe people don't know that much about, there just there really aren't very many. Like I, you know, I think the Tigers kind of sold everybody pretty hard on like Cody Clemens, um, and Cody Clemens has you know has started to warm up a little bit for Lakeland, but probably isn't a major league player. Um, you know, there just isn't his swing is long. He doesn't recognize spin very well. Um, doesn't have great bat speed. There's just a lot of reasons that he he's probably not going to work out. Um, Derek Hill. You know, has been better over the past, say, half a season, but he hasn't, you know, he doesn't really look like a guy who's who's taken a major step forward. So we're kind of waiting for, like, Parker Meadows and Wenzel Perez, like guys who were down at the A-ball level, and neither of them has really done anything this year either. So, yeah, there isn't a whole lot um, positionally, and that's, that's, that's a problem. So that's why this draft is probably going to be really important, because there are uh, quite a few good position player um, guys who are going to be in the draft, around the, the level that the Tigers will, will be able to pick from at, at five, and <clears throat> hopefully they get a good one. I think we're all kind of looking at Andrew Grant or Andrew Vaughn, um, first baseman, who I know Rob is um, pretty big on. Um, looks like, you know, kind of a guaranteed power hitter, but kind of like a Jose Abreu type guy. Probably not going to be real athletic or ever do much else other than hit, but but looks like a lock to hit. So if he falls to us, we might have him added into the mix, and then... Um, we had a pretty good fan post, I think it was yesterday, um, about what the Tigers might be able to get for Shane Green if they traded him to the Cubs, because the Cubs right now are really kind of desperately in need of bullpen help. Um, so are the Atlanta Braves. Um, the Braves made a trade for Anthony Swarzak from the, the Mariners, but they gave up Arati's Vizcaino um, in the process, who was supposed to be kind of the, like their closer, or at least an option this year. So... There's a lot of teams that need relief help, and I wouldn't mind the Tigers kind of getting on the ball and starting to talk to those people because we all know Shane Green kind of has a tendency to, to you know, be really good for part of a season and then have his struggles. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind them looking into that. Um, we were kind of suggesting, like, Nico Horner, um, who's a second-base prospect, maybe could play shortstop, but probably not with the Cubs. You know, there's a guy like him or, or maybe Ian Happ. Um, or some combination therein that you could get for Shane Green, and something like that might work. But 
the Tigers really need really need some position player prospects, and it's kind of been a drag that so, so many of the pitching prospects have, have not impressed this year and have struggled. Um, it's great that Manning and Mize are, are doing so well. Um, Brian Garcia's back, um, a really good relief prospect. Um, Jason Foley, too. But um, a lot of the other guys, Burroughs, Funkhauser, um, have been hurt and not done well. Carlos Guzman, um, who kind of broke out a little bit last year, is hurt <laughs> for the Whitecaps. And... Franklin Perez, you know, can't get on the mound and, and start more than once before he goes back with shoulder inflammation, and the Tigers don't seem to have done anything about that. Like, they don't seem to have changed his delivery or, you know, or altered anything, and obviously they're not going to tell us if they have, so all we have right now is a bunch of suck <laughs> on that front. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> you're not going to get all three, you know, we traded for three guys for Berlander. You're not going to necessarily win on all of them, but Franklin Perez was kind of the, kind of the jewel there. So it's kind of been pretty disconcerting to see how badly that's gone. Um, kind of, kind of feel like when the Astros wouldn't pony up Forrest Whitley and kept pushing us toward Franklin Perez, like maybe they knew something because it's the Astros. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> all right. You got anybody else? Let's see. That was from Ron Fisher, actually. The question about non-position player prospect, if we didn't mention that. All right, let's go back to the site. Would it all help if we got down on our knees and begged Dan Gilbert to liberate us? Um, I don't know. I don't really know if Dan Gilbert as owner would, would be any better. That's, that's really hard to say. Dan Gilbert's never owned a baseball team. I don't know if Dan Gilbert knows a damn thing about like building a, a really good organization. Um. I don't know. Give me Heim Bloom. Yeah, give me Heim Bloom exactly. Give me give me the Rays VP. That's that's the guy I think we all want. Um, and if Dan Gilbert will buy the team from Chris Illich and hire Heim Bloom, then we are in support of him. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to put much faith in anyone owning the team being the thing that saves it. Yeah. I mean, I could see, you know, I mean, there's an argument that yeah, Chris Illich is kind of just letting things play out here and probably should ready to move on from Alavila if things don't start looking better by next year because there have been a lot of mistakes. Um, there's a long mm-hmm. long track record of bad decisions and mistakes. Um, some wins, but not, not really enough to counterbalance everything. So, we'll see. I mean, I think, I don't know, did you did you feel this way? Like when the Tigers hire, hired Guardy, when they decided to tear down and, you know, and stick with Avila, like, that didn't necessarily feel like a long-term decision. It just sort of felt like, I'm going to have these guys kind of shepherd us through the, the early yeah, stages, I, but I don't know. I have long believed that Ron Gardenhire is the was the absolute right pick for a three-year transition for a rebuilding team. Like, I think that there was a logic to that that, that may not make sense on the surface, but to me it was hire an old-school manager to teach young kids to play baseball the quote-unquote right way. But, like, I think to understand a clubhouse and to, like, get the mentality of what the Tigers' way was. And I think a guy like Gardy is the perfect one to do something like that. But I think once you actually have these kids up and they've had a year or two under their belts, then you get a Gabe Kapler or somebody interesting and innovative and willing to try new approaches because they've learned to trust it at the basic level and they're going to follow leadership at that point even when they suggest something a little wacky yeah it's sort of like like if we knew ryan gardenhire was in his last year like if he was just like a total hard ass like the last you know in in august and september just riding the young guys criticizing everybody who shows any kind of flash or swag of any sort um you know, and 
And if he did that so that a new manager who is, you know, younger and hopefully more innovative and a little more in touch with, you know, with younger players and kind of the way all the new ways that the game is being taught and understood, you know, that that could be helpful. And I and I am hoping that this that having Ron Gardenhire is basically that um, in a little bit longer, you know, time span where it's sort of like he's the one who's going to kind of ride these guys and, and play their dad figure until yeah, we're at a point where they they can actually find someone a little bit younger, um, who's a little bit more in touch, and yeah, hopefully a little bit more innovative to kind of take the helm and, and take them back toward being a good team again. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure if that's even worth. I'm, it's hard, it's just hard to know how much that's worth. Like it makes it makes sense, um, especially if Ron Gardenhire had kind of like hired some younger coaches and like kind of hadn't just sort of brought in like all the old boys network. Um, Cause I think overall, like that's the, that's one of the main criticisms that is really valid about the whole Tigers organization is that it is very much like an old boys network. Like they're all protecting each other. Um, there's a lot of guys who haven't really particularly had any great success who just hang around. You know, we've got Doug Teeter as our, you know, our head trainer for whatever reason. Um, you know, well, Kevin Teeter Rand. <laughs> Kevin Rand for a really long time. So I'm not. He did, but. But it's again, you know, it's like we're not like spending a lot of money to like innovate. It's just another area where we're not really innovating. It's just sort of like the same guys who've been there. Yeah, it's like the guys who've earned it. And the Tigers operate that way, you know, they're very loyal, um, even when it, you know, maybe that maybe isn't the best thing, you know, for the club overall. And yeah, I don't know. That's just sort of the, the way this organization has kind of worked for a really long time. There's pluses to that, too, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I, you just, I just don't know how much it's holding them back. So, to some degree, I think it is. So, hmm. I also don't believe this will be Ron Gardenhire's last year. I don't either. I kind of think it's he's going to get at least next year. Um, yeah, I think he'll get a one-year extension is 100% how I think that's going to play out. Yeah, I think that's pretty likely. And when does Alavila's contract run up? Is it this year or is it next year? I think he has one, one more year. Uh, but that'll be interesting because that's, I mean, if anybody wants to know, like, and, you know, kind of try to tell themselves, like, what kind of time scales to expect, looking at the contracts of the, of the front office is probably a good way to do it. Like, you know, Alavila maybe is under some pressure by the time his next contract negotiation comes up to actually, like, have the team turned around. Yeah, yeah, and not still be getting worse. <laughs> so um, I don't know if he could do that. I certainly have my doubts. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good piece of information to know. Um, and I will go and look this up right now while we consider the next one. Um, what kind of offensive numbers do you think Cameron, Paredes, Rogers, and Castro will put up in the majors? Well, 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 well. I'm going to leave that one to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a long, big question. Um, I mean, I think Isaac Paredes is going to be an above-average hitter with, with good power. I'm not 100% sure yet that he's going to have enough power to play third base and be the kind of you know, power hitting third baseman that you'd like to see. Um, but I think he has a decent chance of that. Um, as far as Jake Rogers, I think Jake Rogers at minimum will be an average hitting catcher and hopefully more than that. Um, he's made a lot of changes to his swing um, since late last season and into this year, trying to cut down on some of the swing and miss and some of the inconsistency. But Jake Rogers draws walks. He has a really good control of the strike zone. He's got a lot of power. Like raw, his raw power is better than you'd expect for a guy who looks like he's maybe like, five nine like he doesn't really look like a catcher um you know when you see him walking around but he can crack so 
you know, I'm not terribly worried about Jake Rogers' offensive production to begin with, but I actually do think he's probably going to hit okay. Um, Willie Castro and Daz Cameron, like, I I would be surprised if either one of them was, was much above average. Um, both of them are good defenders, and if they're average hitters, that probably works. But the whole point of all of this is that the Tigers are missing, like, those three big bats. Like, you know, we, we want well-rounded guys like the Astros have who, you know, are at least average hitters and play good defense. But the Astros guys who fit that description aren't just, you know, slightly above average hitters. They're like Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman and George Springer, like those type of guys, El Tuve. Um, and, and those are the guys who we just don't really have anywhere in the system where it's like, yeah, this guy's going to play plus defense. He's going to run the base as well. And he's going to be one of the better hitters in the game. I don't think we really have anybody like that. But if I was going to bet on one of those four, probably probably Isaac Paredes. Um, so... We'll see. I mean, Isaac Paredes, like, has just been a, been weird because he almost looks bored. Like, he doesn't strike out very much at all. We know he has power. He draws lots of walks. And it looked like early this season, like, he was just kind of going to the opposite field um, quite a bit. Like, they really had him working on trying to drive the ball into the right center field gap. And he was doing some of that, but pitchers just kind of seem to avoid him. Like, he's real patient. I'm waiting for good pitches to mash, and they just won't really throw him anything. And a lot of times, if he does get himself out, it's because... Like, they're just not throwing anything, you know, in in the sweet spot. And so he's just kind of like, well, I'll take a cut at this thing <laughs> and take a hack. Um, yeah. Yeah, he almost looks bored. Like, I would really like to see Isaac Paredes at, at minimum at Toledo because I think the home runs will start flying for him. And he could probably leapfrog Dawa Lugo um, and Jamer Candelario for me almost in an instant. So... Um, I don't, I don't know. The Tigers are going to slow play him because, well, he's 20 years old and this and that. But as far as a, a hitter and, you know, as far as his physicality goes, he's a grown ass man. Um, you watch him hitting. He's, he's the guy who stands out when you watch Erie's lineup. Like, yeah, that's, that's the dude, um, in almost any game you watch, like, you know, you look at other teams, hitters and like, yeah, I don't really see anybody there who's, who's particularly impressive, but Isaac Prady's is, is impressive. He's, he just impresses you even when his numbers don't look that good. So there's that. Um, oh, and then we have Jin FLA. Seriously, though, why can't Nico Goodrum hit a baseball anymore? Ooh, can't hit a baseball. That's that's a little strong. That's that's a little harsh. That might be untrue. What's that big um, that word? Um, hyperbole. Hyperbole. Yeah, it's the one. <laughs> the hyperbole. Yeah, little hyperbole. Well, let's see. Nico Goodrum is striking out twenty three point eight percent of the time and walking thirteen point two percent of the time. So. And I'm being a smart ass, of course. This means, you know, that 63% of the time he is hitting the ball. Um, and I don't really have any great explanation for why Nico Goodrum's numbers have cratered other than his BAPIP is really low again, too. You know, it's, it's a 255. Um, this is a guy who, you know, is hitting a lot of line drives. He's hitting 30% line drives, which is way above league average. Um, and that's usually a really good sign. Um, he's not hitting that many fly balls. Um, it's like a pretty balanced mix of fly balls and ground balls. Um, and he's generally hit the ball reasonably hard. So I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't freak out about Nico. I think Nico and Ronnie probably both are going to end up being like league average hitter utility guys. Um, and Which I mean is all we ever expected from them. And I think yeah. we might have gotten our hopes a little high on the Nico train. Yeah. Um, and the Ronnie train. Well he, yeah. Well, how well they both performed very early in their seasons, right? Yep. But this is why. Spoiled by Nico last year. Yeah, we did. And this is why, you know, we, we, it's annoying the first part of the year because, you know, we keep saying this all over and over again, but it's, you know, it's just too small a sample size to get excited about. Um, 
everybody but but Mike Trout and you know maybe the other 15 best hitters in baseball no matter how good they are they're bad part of the year um yeah so you know guys would go up and down all the time so you know like we had that article that our new guy Brady wrote um about Ronnie Rodriguez that was like perfectly perfectly accurate you know Ronnie Rodriguez wasn't getting lucky he's hitting the hell out of the baseball and seeing the ball really well but that doesn't tell you that it's going to continue and you need, you know, you need to see it for a half season before you can even really start to believe in that kind of thing. So, yeah. Just going to have to hang in there with the Nico too. I mean, why not? What else do we have to lose? Oh, I think <laughs> he'll bounce back. I think. He'll be fine. I think so too. Um, just watching games, you know, it just seems like there've been a lot of like hard line drives he's hit right at people um, over the past couple weeks. Everybody deals with that, and hopefully it, you just you know you wait for it to correct. And usually, if a guy is doing the right things as far as strikeouts, walks, contact, eventually the ball starts dropping. So hang in there with Nico. Don't go giving up on him yet. Um, yeah, I think there's still there's still more in the tank, and he should be bouncing back before too long. There's still hope, guys. That's right. All right. It doesn't sound like we think that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly isn't. Um, we've had a lot of minor league questions, and so probably when I do um, another podcast later in the week, maybe I'll I'll do more like minor league focus and and kind of talk about some of what we've seen from like Alex Fiedo and what's going on with some of the injuries and and the top prospects and stuff like that, and maybe a little bit of draft talk too. So we'll get into that there. Um, I think that's about all we really have to say about the Tigers right now. Than <laughs> like. Yeah, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, don't feel obliged to watch a team that is making you angry and frustrated. Um, the weather's getting nicer here in the north, and you should enjoy that. And, you know, watch when you watch when you feel like it. Don't feel obliged. Um, you know, you don't owe the Tigers anything. They owe you something. You're the customer, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so, yeah, just watch when you think you can enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Like, win or lose, you think it's going to be a good time, then watch. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I've already kind of settled into my pattern of just, like, having it on in the background. Like, you know, unless I'm really watching, like, Boyd or Turnbull or Norris and, like, seeing what's going on specifically with a pitcher, it's just sort of like, just put it on and, and chill and, you know, try to break it up with some Padres games and Astros games to watch, you know, <laughs> re- remember what good baseball looks looks like. That helps. That's why I have the Rays. <laughs> yep, yep, God bless the Rays. Still hanging in there. Those dirty yeah. Yankees are trying to make it make it tough on you, but... Oh, they'll just get another injury. It'll be fine. Yeah, I know. They have had a lot of injury. Although I wouldn't get too cocky if I was the Rays either. Because <laughs> they've had a lot of injury history down there over the years. Yeah, the um, Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's see. You had a new um, YouTube video come out today on umpires, right? I did. I did to focus on umpires today. Um, it's just a brief kind of overview of what they're supposed to be there for, what they wear, <laughs> why there aren't any female umpires what's wrong with them (laughs) yeah what's wrong with these guys so many things um and then thursday's new episode is going to be on fip versus xfip oh um which might be the most exhausting video i've ever filmed and or edited yeah it is complicated isn't it yeah it's a it's a lot of please don't worry if you don't understand this because it's incredibly complicated yeah um and very theoretical (laughs) yeah yeah X-tip is very much like, this is what we imagine a pitcher should have thrown or had the home runs. And like, it was just a nightmare. So, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. FIP is like, what's happening as far as strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And X-tip yeah, is like, what X-tip. we sh- what should happen with league average home run rate, right? Yeah, and so I'm breaking all that down. And then I'm like, and this is why we only use FIP when we're calculating war. And I'm like, people are already like just <clears> tuning out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's tough because, yeah, like, things have changed. Like, when we didn't have any batted ball data, you would just kind of be like, well, it makes more sense to assume, like, league average home run rate, but now that we can see who's a fly ball pitcher, who hits, lets the ball get hit hard more than others, yeah. it, it just goes on and on. Like, the stat cast is just a damn wormhole from which I can't even escape some days, so... And then Saturday's video, I think, is going to be a lingo lesson on Golden Sombrero. Oh, yes, the Golden Sombrero. The Tigers know about that this year. We've had quite a few. Yeah, they surely do. I think uh, I think we had somebody strike out five times, didn't we? We were trying to come up with a name like the, the tin- Platinum Sombrero. Mike, video breaks this all down. Oh, do you? All right, so it's all there. Oh, 100%. And Aaron Judge has the unique um, a distinction of having struck out eight times in a single day when he played two du- a doubleheader. Um, and Golden, and I think it was like five and one and three in the other, or four and one and four in the other, but he had a bad day of baseball. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, the flip side of that is... Um, Damn, Yasmani Tomas, who's uh, he's played for the Arizona Diamondbacks quite a bit as a third baseman, and he's now in their AAA um, org, kind of trying to work his way back to the major leagues. But he had, what the hell did he do? He had a cycle with three or four home runs in the game, but but also the cycle. Yeah, it was one of the craziest things I've ever ever heard of. I think only two people had ever done it. Yeah, that was one of the, the wilder things that went on this, this week, but it was, uh, it was in the minor leagues. Um, That's insane. Yeah, there were 33 runs in this game. And yeah, yeah, so he hit for the cycle and he hit four home runs. Holy smoke. Oh, okay, so they must have had a couple innings with batted around. Yeah, I think this is also in the, the Pacific Coast League and stuff too, where the ball like flies like crazy. This is like, okay. There were, 10, there. there were 10 home runs in that game, four of them by Yasmani Tomas. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's been some weird times like that. We've been talking a little bit behind the scenes about, you know, like how nice it is to have kind of Otani and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. up with all these like good young prospects and stuff like that. But there there have been kind of a lot of just sort of weird, just weird things going on, like some crazy starts from people and like Chris Paddock um, for the Padres, who, you know, basically just came back from Tommy John surgery and looks like the best pitcher in baseball for the Padres. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been wild times. Justin Verlander has like a... 2.2 ERA or something like that and isn't even ranked in Fangraph's like top 30 pitchers by war because of his home run rate which is really like kind of like the, the nadir for FIP and, and F-War where it's just like nope this isn't working anymore. <laughs> you can't have a guy with a sub one whip and you're criticizing him too much because you get the one home run hit he gives up every game as a solo shot like too bad but yeah I don't know I think Justin Burley may have may have broken FIP and X-FIP at this point yeah. Justin Verlander breaks a lot of things. Yeah, he does. He does. But he's got the money to fix him. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, I had some terrible thoughts just come to my head. I'm sorry, Kate Upton. I love you. You're good. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> with that. With that. Let's maybe call it a night. Yeah, we'll call it a night there. And, um, yep, please follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. Please follow me at Fiscadoro74. Um, thanks a lot for the questions. Um, by next week, we'll probably have worked up actual topics and we'll have drifted back into being obsessed with the Tigers again. Um, yeah, Brandon will have had a long weekend to relax. I will not have because ours in Canada was this past weekend. But uh, Is it Victoria Day today? It's Victoria Day was yesterday. Uh, oh, happy, happy late Victoria's Day. What do you do for that, by the way? Uh, I cleaned my house. Hmm. God, your traditions really are strange. Do <laughs> it's just a day off. We don't really like have a celebration or anything. Stores are kind of closed. And... Yeah, no. 
Well, it's the same as like President's Day here. Nobody cares really. Although government places are closed and that's about it. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I didn't put on my George Washington costume or anything like that this year. Aww. I know. I would have sent you pictures. Not, <laughs> I did not obey Victorian morality laws. So. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All righty. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. We will talk to you all again next week. And everyone have a good night. Ashley, have a good night. Good night. Bye.